y'all it's leah d i'm a black woman millennial from cleveland with a heart for storytelling i have found great purpose in exploring my own roots and those of my family to share those stories with others i've started to record many pod episodes entitled legacy talks the first volume features none other than my od those that have known me for two minutes or more know that one of my main characters in my story is my granddaddy I was raised by my maternal family only, and because of that, my mother's dad also subbed in as my own. He's 80 now, and my best friend. I call him my Odie and Jest. He retired from the city of Cleveland when I was a teenager. So, most of my foundational views of the city of Cleveland were shaped during an era where my granddad's alarm clock would sound off around 4 a.m., waking him up for first shift. I'll always envision him in his green uniform with his buttoned-up top neatly tucked into his pants but more on that later so this is the last episode of volume one of legacy talks before we jump there i just want to express how appreciative i am of all of you who take the time to listen this project is hard work for me i had no idea how it would land and it surprises me every time people express that they've taken time out of their day to listen and indulge i started producing these simply because i had something in my heart, and I wanted to tell a few of the stories that I hold dear. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all who listen. So in this uh, episode, where do we begin? It's 1987, and DuPont Chemical Company is closing. Marvin Jones, a family friend, puts Granddaddy on to an opportunity to work in park maintenance for the city of Cleveland. In the last episode about the Crusher softball team, you all heard from Iris, one of my granddad's players and a friend of my mom and my aunts. Marvin is her dad. Just a small reminder of the power of your village. Learned by, about the city of Cleveland through uh, Marvin Jones, I think it was 1987. DuPont was going out of business, so he asked me would I put in the application for the city of Cleveland. If it's possible, he would help get me on. So I put in the application. And after I got dismissed from uh, DuPont, I applied for the city of Cleveland job. Once officially let go from DuPont, Granddad begins his new job in park maintenance with the city. When he begins his civil service in 1987, Mayor George V. Voinovich was nearing the end of his last term. And I was assigned to park maintenance under the leadership of Ozell Dobbins. And uh, Marvin Jones was assistant manager of park maintenance. And that's how I got on the city of Cleveland. Park maintenance, it was was a mix, black and white. And, you know, 80% was black, but we had whites to work there. We had women's also. They had the same type of idea. We called them a foreman, and they checked with with Ozell and Marvin, see what they want it done and then they put people in that area it was a new experience for me that uh things we had to do uh i was saying the job is uh mainly it was labor i can't think of the name of it of the the position and saying to pick up cars washing clean cars delivering pickup uh porter Porter Johns, seen them also, cut grass, 
you know, the mayor office could call if they needed a car clean or pick up a car or when they back fix the car, they would call us to go and pick up the cars or mayor had a special project he won't clean, he would call park maintenance, we go and clean it. Only time I think it was unfair is <laughs> in the winter time where you gotta clean up city hall steps and stuff and gotta get it ready for the mayor and they think in my sight, they think you you couldn't rest until you got it done. Snow, snow blowing all in your face, you're getting soaked and wet, and they didn't want you to take a break. And when you get done, you're so wet, you got to go back to the station and change in dry clothes. So in the wintertime, a lot of people would call all sick. Granddad and the co-workers in his division weren't suits. They were laborers, just as he visibly describes. They were the men and women who made sure the park was ready for those who had permits for family reunions and festivals. They cleaned up debris after block parties and parades. They cut the grass on the malls, shoveled snow off the steps of City Hall, and everything in between. And I do mean everything. They did the jobs that often went underappreciated unless the job wasn't done. No one ever thanks the city for manicured grass on a lot. They only call when it's overgrown. I think in my first, I worked from 7 to, 7 to 3.30. And you get to 40th Street, there's a, make a left, and the Harvard Yard was on that side. That's where I was assigned to. We had uniforms. They were green. The amount of money they gave us each year for clothing and shoes, shoes and maintaining. We always had to have them, have park maintenance on the shirt. And, and those green uniforms were distinctive. Most of my childhood memories involved my granddad dressed in his uniform with his patch on his arm. If you check out the visual for this episode, you'll see it's a picture of younger me and him. And the patch is right there on the right hand of the picture. <laughs> it was the best I could do without going through hundreds of other pictures, but you guys get it. I gave him a quick pop quiz to test whether he remembered how many mayors he served under during his time. Bonovich, White, and the lady. The camera was the last one I ever worked on. <laughs> Shout out to quote unquote the lady. Here's a quick reminder that there still has never been a black woman mayor of the city of Cleveland, a majority black city. But let's keep going. Granddad did pass the test. During his time as city employee, mayors Voinovich, White, and Campbell were all elected. You know, when they transferred me to 40th and, uh, South Mars, you know, I was, uh, I became more of a truck driver then because I had CDL devices and I drove and still had to cut grass and in the wintertime plow snow and stuff. This is where I dramatically pause the audio and give a huge shout out to all the city workers, current and past, who shovel city streets. Me and Granddad had a long and interesting chat at the top of the year when Cleveland was blanketed in snow and folks were losing their minds. Granddad thought the snow tracker Bibbs admin quickly started was smart, but he also vented about how difficult and dangerous it is to plow. He explains a bit about it here. It was tedious. You know, you had to keep the vehicle hot. And, you know, you had to watch out for the people, people across the street and and get in front of the plow and you just had to be careful. Some areas you had to do the parking lots downtown and 
You had to get there before parking lots open and near Euclid, you got hills and you got to plow up the hill, you got to plow down the hill. You got to be aware of the cars that will pass you and the trucks. And you got to push it to the side and make sure that you got it out of the way so the cars and trucks can pass back. It's always scared because, you know, if a car in front of you and, you, you know, and you don't know whether they stall or or the driver would get out the car and say where they were lost and what street is this and everything. They would stop right in the middle of the middle of the plow. And uh, it was, you had to be very alert. And when the snow melts from paralyzing blizzards, the city workers contended with extreme heat. Well, in the summertime, it's always super hot. And you'd be on the track to cutting grass and the heat is just, just tremendous. You, you know, you don't have really any place to put water on your tractor, you know, even in the uh, springtime like it is now, you got to cut the grass, you got to worry about getting stuck with the tractor. They have to call tow trucks to get you out of certain spots. It, 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 you know, after you're done, the grass looks pretty, but you know, tractor drivers and truck drivers catch the devil because, you know, it's so dangerous slipping and sliding, getting caught in holes that the trucks done made and you don't see the holes. But the job had an upside for an extrovert like my granddad, the people. To this day, he can take you to the best random hole-in-the-wall spot for breakfast, well, before COVID anyways. He can rattle off back streets in the most obscure part of the city, and he connects dots in a way that makes his old-school mental Rolodex irreplaceable. And all of that is a direct result of his time with the city. Yeah, you, you learn uh, areas and you learn the different peoples in the area, the uh, whites, the blacks, the Puerto Ricans, and every nationality you can name of is on the west side so you learn about the different cultures and stuff you know they have festivals and stuff in the city during the uh summer and we have to clean up behind the festival so sometimes we work from 12 to 16 hours on the weekends they have clean up for for monday for saturday and sunday this is a lot of you know and people was good to us. They'd come and give us food and drink. It was, it was entertaining and it was fun. You, you get to know people in the city and their culture and how they celebrate different stuff. And the longer he worked, the closer he grew with his coworkers. No, we had fun. We always had fun. You know, Carlton Boone, Shep, I had Zach, Mr. Gaston, you know. Those about my favorite. We all got along pretty good and we had fun work. But they were fun, honestly. And they were funny. I can still picture him and his co-workers giving me a boost up into their city trucks, letting me ride shotgun while they finished up for the day. And as an adult, I can take you to a few of their homes and show you how perfectly manicured their lawns are. They could compete for a Home and Gardens magazine cover and you just fully understand how talented and skilled these folks were with landscaping. I asked Granddad what it was like to work under the residency requirement and what he thought about it. Here's his take. 
they would periodically they would ask you to bring your gas bill, your te telephone bill, show that your address was the same as you got it in the office. In my case, I thought it was better to have it, you know, especially for the people that are working for the city. If you, you stay in the city, you know what's going on in the city, especially police officers, even the workers. If we stay in the city, we, we knew what the most time what the city needed. If you stay in a different suburb, you only come in to work and go back to that suburb. You're more interested in your, where you stay at in the suburbs and where you work at. The ones in the state in Cleveland, most of them came back and helped volunteer in the neighborhood, cleaning up and stuff. But there were few in the suburbs came. You had some that came back because they, you know, most of them understood it. What, what you had to do to work for the city of Cleveland. One of your requirements was volunteers sometimes. There's an archive Plain Dealer article that sums up the history of the law pretty well. Here's a few quotes. In November 1982, Cleveland voters approved a law requiring all new hires by the city to live in the city, igniting a debate that would raise for 25 years. In 2009, the Ohio Supreme Court upholds the state law forbidding municipal residency rules. Mayor Jackson complies with the ruling and it's rescinded. As I listened to him share his views, it felt like I was listening to myself. This is where I get it from. The brash, direct, unapologetic views on residency in the city of Cleveland. And the good thing about having your own podcast is there's no debating, sis. The residency law can still drum up rich debate even now, and it probably always will. I see both sides, but as Granddad puts it, residents know what the city needs. But a shout out to all civil servants, regardless of zip code, for doing the jobs many of us take for granted until we need them, and that's for real. Granddad's time with the city ended in 2001. He retired at 60 when he learned that my grandma had an aggressive form of colon cancer. But even now, after being retired for over 20 years, he would still recommend the city as a decent place to work. <laughs> Plus, he says the job is less taxing on the body than it was when they were there, thanks to updated equipment and processes. Yeah, it, it pays well. You got good uh, benefits. You earn good vacation time. And, uh, Things have changed drastically since I was there. You know, certain things they don't do anymore. So it's a more uh, up-to-date job where we have to walk an area, cut grass. Uh, then now they got ride mowers to do that. You know, it helps your legs and your body. You know, it's faster and, and they do it faster to cut. And as you get it cut, somewhere else you can go to work. <laughs> I asked him if he missed working on the job and being out and about in the city. And if he critiques the work of the current maintenance division. This was his first answer. No, I don't critique the work. I'm, I'm retired. I don't have nothing to do with it. Yeah, right. What about the time I asked him, we were riding down 131st and you stopped the guy driving the city maintenance truck to tell him about his tail light. Well, that got him going. <laughs> well, some, 
the light's not supposed to be out on the trucks. You know, I don't know whether they knew about it. You don't supposed to go out in the city vehicle. You don't have lights. Take it to the shop to, to get lights on. You can get suspended for that. There's no excuse for that. You heard that last part, right? There's no excuse for that? Yeah, that's the same energy he gave the guy in the middle of the street that day. So, yeah, he still keeps his eye on his old post. Whenever we're riding through the city, he prefers routes through the streets versus the freeway. And now you can imagine why. He inspects the grass and flower beds, and he shares anecdotal stories about the location. He's forever the dot connector. But all in all, it's Granddad's last quick remark. That's the essence of this episode. And also, the title. It was a service. I mean, whatever we did was a service for the city of Cleveland and for the residents. Whatever we did was in the service to the city of Cleveland and its residents. That's the line that struck me hard. I don't work for the city. I never have. I've never held a job as a laborer. The closest I got to that was being a waitress at a country club for a few summers during college. I've never plowed snow from a road or cleaned up trash after a parade. But yet and still, I've strived to use my career to make the city of Cleveland a better place for the people I care about the most. Recently, I've wondered, why the hell do I do this work? Why do I care? And listening to Granddad tell his story of civil service, as blue-collar as it gets, I realized I get it from him. He loves Cleveland. To him, it's the city that saved him from Jim Crow, and in his opinion, his life. He doesn't want to move, and he thinks it's a sin to wear another city's jersey or merchandise. The only time he'll wear college gear other than Ohio State is if he's wearing a Howard tee. He's always been like this. He wasn't a C-suite executive or former elected official. He didn't own a lucrative business, though he did successfully manage a portfolio of rental properties he owned for years. But his civil service still matters. His service is the reason I know the city the way I do, why I love it the way I do, and why I hate the parts of it that I do. Granddad knows where many bones are buried, and he made sure I wasn't naive about the complicated politics that run through each and every neighborhood that make this city. He's a big part of the reason I love being in community, because it's literally what I grew up doing. And most importantly, Granddad worked for the city for 16 years. As a millennial, I can't imagine doing anything consistently for 16 years, but this is not about me. His service is the reason why I greet the CEO and the janitor the same way. No, Granddad probably won't get a formal resolution thanking him for his service. There won't be a park named after him or anything like that. But I hope to thank him by showing him that he's inspired me to want to serve, even if in a different way, with the same goal in mind. So, when you see a city worker, just say thank you, despite it all. You never know how much it might mean to them. All right, y'all, it's the end of Volume 1. Can you believe it? We've had a lot of changes on my end. Most importantly, we welcomed a new co-host, our baby girl. Dom has a sibling and a sister. So look out for volume two this fall. It'll be a collection of stories about my mother and her siblings. And their stories are wild. So get ready. (laughs) Until next time, y'all. Peace. Mommy, my baby sister's crying.